Welcome everybody to episode 68 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And David. Hey, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well, David. How are you? Excellent. I'm ready to tackle the Santarans of the new series. New Santarans, the brand new blue, blue tint. Yes. The blue, <laughs> they're booted, they're suited, they're bright blue. Mm-hmm. They are the new series Santarans. Yes. Gotta love them. Well, uh, so so are we so we're gonna start we're gonna start with the old Santaran stratagem then, or yeah, I think so because really Santarans are of two flavors in the new series, obviously because we have two showrunners. RTD, I think, treated Santarans a little bit more traditionally as a foe, and then when Stephen Moffat, which we'll discuss later on, introduced the whole idea of the comedy Santaran, which the comedy Santaran, yep, which we haven't. Uh, uh, moved on past yet, so no. maybe with maybe with Chibnall we will return to the era of the Santarin as a foe and out of the comedy Santarin bit, but we will see. We will see. We will, only time, only yeah. time will tell. So Santarin stratagem poison sky. They make their impressive, I think, debut or return in the new series. Yeah, I, I'm pretty impressed with them, actually. I like Chris Ryan out of The Young Ones yeah. as, um, what is he, Sub- Commander, Colonel, General, there, what is he? Oh, General Strahl. That's and it. Then, um, That's Dan it. Stark, was score, and then Dan Stark, he was Score, Commander Score. And then Dan Stark is all the other Sontarans. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting, actually. They do it right in some ways, <laughs> uh, in a way that, uh, as you know, I really dislike the new series Silurians, which they do wrong right. by, you know, there's only two people who actually have Sontaran makeup and all the other Sontarans have helmets. And that mm-hmm. works really well for Sontarans. It works, I think, less well for the new series Silurians. Right. They are a bit blue. I'm not a big fan of the blue um, Sontaran. Now, now, why is that? Why don't you like the blue? What's wrong with the blue? I think it makes them more action figure-y. Mm. And I think well, that's may- probably why they did it. Which I think is why they did it. Exactly. I think it's an easier finish to achieve when you're making plastic figures, um, which mm. is fine in some ways. Um, but it, it does make them feel a little bit, uh, a little bit more artificial. They also have these very low crutches as well um if you um, which i think obviously deliberately gives them kind of shorter legs but it it does make them look a bit weird and it makes them move in a funny way as well not that old sometimes didn't move in a funny as well funny way as well (laughs) but these are sometimes move in a funnier way in my opinion Mm -hmm. well i like the blue i think it's more pleasing of a color to look at continuously than the gray that we get in the classic series so i think it was a good design to have them blue because there's just too much gray but the thing that i think is a little bit over overdone is the batman like pectoral and uh, chest muscle type armor yeah i think that's a little yep that's that's a little cartoony for lack of a better a little too marvel super comics a little too uh a little too cartoony i guess for my yeah, they, they feel like Transformers or something. They do feel like something out of a comic strip, um, which is fine in some ways. Because um, this is, after all, I think, is this the first instance that we see units flying base? Oh, uh, was it the Valiant? The or? Valiant, yes. So, which, again, is totally out of um, both Jerry Anderson, you know, Spectrum HQ from Captain Scarlet, uh, and then also the flying HQ that are in all those Marvel comics, which I kind mm-hmm. of ignore, but I, I know they have one there. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it. I mean, that's not the Santarans per se, but that's kind of a weird, weird addition that RTD added. I think it's very much of its time. What was it? Two thousand eight. I think. It I just, think he added it because he could, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's a. Well, it was a Hel- Helen Rayner who brought back or was the uh, writer for the Santarans. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of that plot? Uh, as the doctor says, it's not very Santaran with them kind of skulking about. No, it's it's very uns. I mean, it's 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 more. It's a it's a Cyberman plot, really. It, it really think. is. It really is. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird and doesn't make a lot of sense, um, and involves lots of skulking about and being appearing to be clever but not actually being clever at all. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense that they are that they want to convert the earth to a clone world uh, as a as a clone factory world That's for, a good one. for yeah. so their motivations is good. But the way they go about it doesn't really make sense and then you would think with Venus just in the neighborhood that would have been a lot more uh, obvious of a place <laughs> to change into a clone world and that would have i think been interesting that the santarans are turning venus into a clone world and so in response the rutans are changing the earth which is a water world oh nice one as something so so, you know play around with the concept yeah like it. it doesn't doesn't quite work why you know why they would go about it. Why the Earth? What's so special? What 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 does the Earth have that the Santarans would really want? It seems like the atmosphere of Venus would be almost ready made for the type of Santaran clone world. Yeah, yeah. Now the thing I thing I also think they did really well is the spaceships and the updating of the Santaran golf ball spaceship that they did. Yeah, I agree. So I think the whole the whole Santaran technology i think the cloning the clone vats the martha clone was pretty good yeah that worked I, well. I, I liked how um the probic vent was a plot point in both the santaran stratagem and the poison sky in the santaran stratagem the doctor uh uses what the tennis ball or the racket ball yeah to, Knock yeah. the Santaran out or disable him while he and the unit squatty escape. And then in the Poison Sky, when Donna was in the Santaran command ship, she uses the doctor's mallet, the little mallet, rubber, yep. mallet, rubber mallet, to yep. knock the Santaran in the probic vent. Knocked him on the probic vent, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in just typical of RTD type humor or touches in it with the whole little scene with Donna saying, uh, when she was trying to get through the Santaran door, it says, but it has three fingers, and the doctor saying, you have three fingers. And then <laughs> yeah, nice Donna, Donna doing kind of like the, the Vulcan shape on to open up the door. So I think there's a lot of respectful, nice touches, an affectionate look at Santarans, certainly an improvement over our previous Santaran story. Yeah, yeah which is, I mean, it could hardly, it could hardly not be improved over the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a decent, there's a lot of them. They go running around um, yeah. when they all invade with their special Santaran guns. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they make a pretty in, impressive invasion force when, when mm-hmm. we see them in strength. Yeah. Um, as I said, you know, their plan is just a little bit, it's a bit, it's unsantaran So, I mean, my, my own kind of internal, you know, reconciliation, reconciliation of that is really, you know, its general style is in some ways like a rogue, rogue-ish Sontaran general has come up mm. with a kind of roguish Sontaran plan, you know, right. which is why it fails kind of thing, because, you know, 
It, he hasn't really thought it through. It wasn't approved by Santaran High Command. Exactly. They have a very rigorous approval process for invasion <laughs> well, as, plans. As we saw with uh, the Santaran experiment. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to run it all the way up to, you know, <laughs> whoever the Santaran yeah, High Command. And I, I think I think Stahl is a bit of a rogue here. And he said, OK, I've got this great idea using sat-navs and a whole bunch of other stuff. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's why it all goes pear-shaped on him. <laughs> yeah. And also just like you said, it's a very Cyberman type story where they persuade or they use a, a very intelligent human to get get at their ends and then betray them at the end. It's, it's, it's almost as if it's a plot has been lifted from the uh, Patrick Troughton story, The Invasion. Yep, 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 yep. Um, yes, this could be IE, basically. Mm -hmm. um, that we're, um, Radigan Institute with, or whatever it is, yep, Academy. Yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, but there you go. Uh, what do you think of the whole Sontaha aspect? Uh, that they've now got a war cry of some kind that they and that they like to, to deliver at the drop of a, the drop of a hat. Uh, mostly harmless. <laughs> mostly harmless. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's it is. something for the kids. It's cute. It it, is. It's something a child could obviously do on the playground or whatever if they're doing Santarans. Yeah, I think so. The one thing that I think is a little bit over overdone, and maybe it's it's I think it's taking the seeds that Bob Holmes and the Bristol Boys laid in the classic series with the confusion over gender and the female of the species bit, but. These Santarans are very misogynistic, and I think the classic Santarans were just more uh, females were an oddity or inefficient or a curiosity. But these uh, Santarans in that RTD introduces are very, very misogynist. I yeah. think they're. Um, I think Santarans would be respectful of female warriors regardless, but they are you know, they're women, they have to be bad type. And I don't I don't think that coalesces around my idea of what a Santar and a warrior ethic would be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, yes, I mean, they've they, they kind of been made more uh, misogynistic towards women, uh, you know, as part of, I don't know, I'm seeing similar to, you know, to, to that development of the uh, first Doctor's character and, you know, our latest Christmas mm. episode. It seems pointless... Mm -hmm. To kind of retro build that into monsters' characters when mm -hmm. um, for no really apparent reason, really. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure why he introduced it, but the seed was there with in both in the Time Warrior and in the Santaran experiment. Just the Santaran's uh, thoughts of human females being different from males with a different and, shape thorax and all that kind of malarkey. right and that having two sexes is inefficient you should convert to cloning or something i think was one of the lines in one of the classic stories but it it seemed like it went overboard a little bit yeah i think so but then in the sarah jane adventures we get the last Santaran with uh, i think uh, a Santaran named Cog or something like Cog. that. Yes. Who is uh, the sole survivor of the Santaran invasion of the Stratagem invasion, and uh, the fallout of him being the sole survivor. Yeah. And uh, what do you make of that episode? 
You know, uh, it's going to be hard for, <laughs> hard for me to say because it's a long time since I've seen it. I did mm-hmm. not review it for this podcast. Um, I did read the synopsis <laughs> online. Um, uh, and I have trouble actually remembering it, I'm afraid, mm-hmm. uh, which implies maybe it wasn't hugely good. Well, um, I think it was. You're going to have to mostly, help me out on this one. Well, Cogs or Cargs <laughs> ship crash landed in this woods outside of a radio telescope. And you had this uh, young woman and her dad, and they get lured into the woods by the Santaran, and he converts all of the Santaran experiment, um, them to be controlled humans. So they have the, the little neck implant where he can, can control them, and the Santaran puts the scientist to work, all of the Time Warrior, to connect all the satellites. His plan is to cause them to crash and devastate the Earth. And so that that's the Santarans' uh, payback for being defeated as part of the stratagem. So that's the basic plot. So it hooks in really nicely. Phil Ford, mm-hmm. the writer of that, did really nice tie-ins with Santarans in the past. But where it really, really kind of became the Sarah Jane story is there's a lot of running around in the woods. That's what I kind of remember is a lot of running about. Yeah, so there's a lot of running around in the woods. There's a lot of evading the Santaran, finding the Santaran. It's definitely a kid's story, but it ties, I think, very well into Doctor Who. <laughs> it feels like a Doctor Who story without it's a Doctor Light story. Right. And right. of course we have Sarah Jane who plays the Doctor stand in for the kids. So it works I think it worked really well as a Sarah Jane adventure story. It works very well with a Santaran story. It doesn't stretch the boundaries in a non canonical type way. It fits really nicely in. So it's a good fit for Sarah Jane. In many ways, it felt more like a Doctor Who story at the time, a classic Doctor Who story at the time than um, the Santarin stratagem. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, yes. Yeah. I, by the, even reading through the synopsis quickly today, I, I, I find it. I found it hard to remember. I, maybe, I, maybe I wasn't concentrating when I when I watched it, but I have mm-hmm. very little memory. Mm-hmm. Well, you're uh, probably watching it with your kids at the time. I was watching it with my kids. Yeah, and I think the way we used to watch the Sarah Jane Adventures was huddled around my laptop, which is mm-hmm. actually my least favorite way of watching anything. Um, so, because when was this? Uh, Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. So getting on for a decade ago, so at least nine years. Mm-hmm. So there were probably some reasonably squirmy kids, um, mm-hmm. and that that definitely stops me from fully grokking any particular show that I'm watching. Uh, do you remember the makeup on Cog with the big scar? Oh yeah, that rings yeah. a bell. That rings a bell. Definitely. So yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. that reminds me. You know, last week, what you were talking about with the Santarans being the German proxy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They explained it because he was hurt in the explosion in the, as he crash landed, which the doctor caused. But that that full scar, which could be very, if it was on a human, it very much looked like a fencing scar. It, it did remind me yeah, of that yeah, yeah, whole yeah. Germanic. Uh, German military fenced without mask, and so a lot of German military officers had facial scars and stuff. Shooting scars, yes. Like what we saw in the war games with the German general had the, the big scar. Right. May, may be going on with the 
uh, with with the with the Santarns in the in in the British culture. Right, right. If you were really into Sarah Jane Adventures, this was the farewell episode for uh, Maria. Was that one of the girls? I think it's Maria. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. This is a story where Maria leaves, and her father was going to America, and she was going to go with him. And so this is the story where Maria's mom smacked the Santarin in the back, and the probate right. bent with her high heel. But if this was a Santarin experiment, the Santarin would have died. And yeah. uh, the last Santarin, Sarah Jane sends him packing home. Right, right. Because the Sarah Jane Adventures was a very self-consciously, you know, a kid's show right. rather than anything else. So people died relatively infrequently. Mm-hmm. And then just which is fair enough. And then Cog made a return at this season finale of that, uh, I think it was second series of Sarah Jane in The Return of the Bane. And also The Return of Cog. <laughs> okay, yes. Well. So he was a Santarin mercenary because he was, a, again, humiliated by a female and couldn't return to Santar. Yeah, and you know what What this conversation is doing is, is, is encouraging me to think about, I need to get hold of the Sarah mm. Jane adventures and mm-hmm. watch them all again because um, I haven't watched them really since... Since yeah. they came out. And we haven't covered them on our podcast at all. No, we haven't. Well, they're not core canon. But I think they're certainly more Doctor Who uh, inclusive than Torchwood and definitely class. Right, right. And again, I mean, I think the only one I've actually watched is the return of, uh, of Joe Grant episode, mm-hmm. um, which is a, an extra on the redone Green Death DVDs. Yes. Yes. Which is, you know, well worth watching because um, mm-hmm. it's got, you know, not only does it have um, Katie Manning, but it has um, has Matt Smith in it as well, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is which is, you know, they're they're, they're kind of meeting mm-hmm. meeting the Sarah Jane gang. Yeah, it's a nice light Suntaran story, and it shows what you can do with Suntarans when you treat them as a serious threat, and that's <laughs> yes. And the Suntarans are no longer a serious threat when Stephen Moffat takes over. No, they, I mean, he has, there hasn't been a Moffat episode where the Sontarans are anything really serious, particularly. Um, well, in the Pandorica Opens, they are there when the Pandorica Opens, and aren't they the ones that drag the Doctor and stick him into the Pandorica? Yeah, but I mean, I think the, but the Pandorica Opens is like, what costumes do we have stuck around in the costume warehouse? Mm-hmm. Okay, these are all the costumes. Okay, these are all yeah, the monsters. For, yeah, exactly, because we have... The Silurians, the modern Silurians there too, which makes absolutely no sense at all. No sense at all. I mean, you know, we were all hoping for the Dravins to turn up. Which would I have was. been a very easy costume to do. We had beehive wig and women. Because it's just women right. with dots on them. Yes, exactly. Right. Oh, before we move fully on to Stephen Moffat, that Santarin did have a cameo at the end of the time. That wasn't that the, who Mickey and Martha were tracking down or evading or something. Oh like yeah, that. they were fighting against Santarans, or Santarans were fighting against, against them, or something. There was some yeah, yeah. Santaran war action going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're right, exactly. Yeah, but again, it was a serious threat type Santarin rather than yeah. rather than the Moffat comedy Santarin. Santarin, which I mean, to be fair to Moffat, I mean, I think we were going to take. The kind of Moffat Sontarans as one single thing, right? We're not going to go through them. Well, there's two classes, right? We have the cast of thousand Sontarans, the generic Sontaran, and then we have the very specific Strax. Strax. Dan Starkey. Madame Vastra's gang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, the Sontarans in the Pandorica Opens were minimal, but they were still serious Sontarans. Yes, they were kind of threat of the week-ish. 
Mm-hmm. Like um, you said, they were there because they had the costumes already made. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, they did. They weren't. They weren't doing anything that was particularly Sontarani, I think, or thought. But no, um, yeah. And Moffat was throwing every baddie in there <laughs> that he could have a costume for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, only to be expected because the point of that episode was, you know, heightened threat level rather than these are monsters who have actual plans that they're kind of kind of working through, basically. Right. It was ridiculous. We had the new Paradigm Daleks. We had the Santarans. Okay, those are enemies of the Doctor. Uh, I think we had Cybermen. Okay, check. That makes sense. But then we have um, the the Silurians. Doesn't make sense. The Jadun, which really make no sense at all. No. And then all these Romans, which are Autons. It's hard to make sense of it, really. It's Stephen Moffat really playing with his idea or what he wants to, his theme of that season, which was the, the storybook, the fairy tale. Yeah. And really, when you look at a lot of fairy tales, they don't make a lot of sense. And they're more about the uh, mood or the theme or the moral. And I think this is the story was really about trying to set up the time paradox that can be resolved at the start of the Big Bang. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which have nothing to do with the Santarans. So this is really a Santaran light story. Yeah. And as I said, they're monsters of the week. They're wheeled on because we've got the costumes. We've got some short actors. I mean, I mean, I mean, they did, you know, because I think obviously the new series has more people, more people and can pay better attention to things. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they they obviously got actors who were the right size. Right. Uh, You know, it wasn't the kind of just nonsense that the two doctors was. But still, they have, they're only there because, okay, we need, we need some villains in here and we have Santaran costumes. So I guess the next story that Moffat had with a Santaran is when he introduced Strax. Is that true? Strax. A good man goes to war? Uh, I believe it is. Yes, good man goes to war with Strax and his... Um, nurse. <laughs> nurse. Nurse Strax and his lactating whatever they were. So I can't <laughs> remember what the phrase is now, but it was certainly hilarious at the time. Uh, copious amounts of lactic fluids. <laughs> lactic fluids. There you go. There you go. Nurse Strax. Uh, at the time, you know, first watch, it was set up really well with the people calling for a nurse or a nurse. And then the guy, the human, comes bursting in a tent saying, we need to get out of here, Madam President, right away. They're going to be here very soon. And then, like, in the next heartbeat, a Santaran, Strax, walks through. Then he takes off his helmet and says, did anyone call for a nurse? <laughs> so it's uh, it makes sense. But then the Strax character all throughout the story is, I will save your life, but then I hope to meet you later in a later day where I will crush you on the field of battle and stuff like that. So I think Moffat was really trying to <laughs> milk, milk that joke <laughs> a little bit. He, he goes... couldn't, couldn't decide how comedic he wanted the Santarans to be. No, no. And I think, you know, the joke works once and mm-hmm. probably works twice, but it does go on a bit. And mm-hmm. in general, I mean, I have problems with A Good Man Goes to War because this is when I really started to lose it with, mm-hmm. with Moffat. Um, I'm just looking at the, the plot synopsis now on, um, on the TARDIS wiki and it's thousands of words to try <laughs> and synopsize this episode. It's just too much. Uh, and as we know, you know, at this point, uh, Moffat is just just getting himself lost in his own intelligence and his own cleverness and his own plots and his own stories. 
And I think, you know, his joy in discovering that you can make Sontarans really pretty amusing, mm -hmm. he just kind of said, okay, well then, they're just going to be amusing forever now, and I'm just going to tell the same joke. And Strax really, I mean, Strax is a great character, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera, It is the same joke over and over again, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, I get for kids, it's probably a good thing. Well, you got to remember that not everyone is going to see or watch every episode of Doctor Who, so... That's within true. reason, you can reuse the joke. But the, the thing about discovering Santarans are a joke, they were a joke from day one. It was supposed to be a joke that this alien took off his helmet and his head is exactly the, the shape same of his size helmet. As, exactly. And that they are potato -y or spud monsters. Spud you like. Right, exactly. And so, yes, they're funny. But the joke is they don't realize that they're funny. And yeah. I think the more that Moffat wrote for Strax, Strax is depicted as uh, maybe not realizing he's funny, but maybe kind of realizing he's funny. Well, I think, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, I think where, the pro where you get problems with Doctor Who is where it calls out its inadequacies. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's a clever kind of meta name for this, which unfortunately I do not know what that, what that is. But, you know, you can, uh, you know, there are two ways to be funny, one of which, you know, you're in funny within the envelope of the story. Right. And then you can also be funny by standing outside of the story or standing outside of the, of the, of the, of the, of the you know, the, the fictional construct and pointing a finger at it and saying, listen, look at that. That's funny. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Doctor Who really works best when its humor is internalized within its own narrative, within its own story, rather than people who kind of step out of that story and go, look, I'm a potato shaped alien. That's kind of hilarious. Listen, I'll just say something funny for a bit. Um, and I think that's where it goes wrong for me because, uh, you know, the, the Doctor Who really it relies on a, a very, very willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> very true. And as soon as you start to say, you know, you're kind of a fool for even thinking that this is realistic, then it starts to fall apart. And it falls apart in a way that I don't feel is very successful. Yeah. I think the humor works. I think it's funny. Strax is a it's welcome funny. character. It's, 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 it's funny, but it doesn't really hang together. It doesn't really work in the context of the show. I think it would work better if you actually had a threat level Santarin so you can compare and contrast. But we've had now almost a decade, nine, eight years of comedy Santarins, and the idea that Santarins are a threat rather than just Mr. Potato Head in a blue suit has been lost. The comedy isn't there anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, which is probably why he stopped, uh, the Moffat stopped using him after Deep Breath. Right, yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, the, the, the Sontarans are problematic as a threat <laughs> because they don't really have, they don't have a USP particularly as, right. as an alien villain. And, you know, obviously they're awesome in the, the first two outings. In the classic series, in their second two outings in the classic series, as we've already pointed out, they they are kind of wheeled on right. as kind of emergency. We need a villain, right? I mean, I think you know, Poison Sky, etc. Sontar and Stratagem had a pretty good stab at creating their USP right. as villains, and I think we we talked about last week, and you know that I think with the fun thing about the Sontarans is not that they're super efficient Klingon style warrior race, but they're actually they're super inefficient. In <laughs> they're inept. 
<laughs> in, 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 they're inept sadists. Um, they have you know, had. They've been fighting the Rutans for what fifty thousand years, and they still haven't been able and to they win. They still, they still ha- haven't been able to win, which makes them funny. But it makes them funny in the, you know the in the envelope of the show. <laughs> right. Um, and I think you know if we were able to con- maybe contextualize Strax slightly better with other Sontarans um, doing a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually think, you know, the new series missed a trick by not bringing back the Rutans mm-hmm. because I think the Rutans, the Rutans and the Sontarans together, and actually, you know, of course, they, they, they were never together even in the classic series, but no. together makes a... It's, uh, made, it's, a, it's a whole. It's the it's the yin and the yang, as we said last week. It's the it, whole it gi- picture. It, gi- <laughs> it gives that unique selling point about the Sontarans. Right. Um, uh, but it, without their enemy, they mm-hmm. become, as I said, really yeah. kind of monster of the week or villain of the week. And really the only place that I'm aware of where the Sontarans and Rutans meet is in the video game, the gunpowder plot, the Doctor Who adventure game. Okay. And if memory serves, that's another Phil Ford written piece. So... I think Phil Ford might be a good writer to get in if we want, uh, in the new uh, Chibnall tenure, a return to Santarans as a threat and maybe have the uh, add the Rutans. Because really, those two enemy races need to exist together. Yeah, and I, I again, I they may have met in um, no- novels uh, or big in finishes. novels or big finishes, but it, I think we've said before is that there really is actually too much Doctor Who nowadays <laughs> for any one individual who does not have um, who has other things to do with their life. Um, it's very hard to be a completist. It's impossible. It's, it's impossible to, unless unless it's your job, you know. Right, it, right. And sadly, it is not my job to be a Doctor <laughs> Who completist, much as I might want it to be. Uh, so yeah, they, they might very met in you know in any number of big finished adventures. I mean, I think I, actually, I mean, weirdly, the the kind of minimal stracks which we have when we have Jenny and Madame Vastra, so it's that kind of it's that team actually I think slightly works better for me I think mm-hmm. when he's kind of downplayed a bit because I mean it is he it is a funny butler um, right or technically not a butler he's probably a valet rather than a butler I have a I have a temperamental aversion to the misidentification of servants always being <laughs> butlers because of course a butler is a technical term a butler is a, is basically the head of the household right well um, he he is, well, he's well, not I mean, the head of the house. He's, he's, he's not he's, not how did a houseboat, but he's certainly not a valet. He's more of a he's a servant slash driver. I mean, he he's the one who chauffeur, dri- yeah. chauffeur or whatever whatever handles the horses. I mean, I guess he shoots the horses and eats Grooms them when they right. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is also funny. That's funny. It makes me right. laugh. I mean, I mean, I think you know he's a he's presented as a kind of a Jeeves figure. So you know, he's a gentleman's personal gentleman, which is technically a valet. Um, is is he? I uh, well, I don't know. I I just I think he's a he's put in the stereotypical role of actual without actual job duties other than what the comedy scene requires, which I think is then also you know a problem because all he really does is provide some comedy um, yeah. rather than actually do anything of mm-hmm. any kind of worth you know he shoots a horse and he eats it you mm-hmm. know um, he mistakes things that you know if he'd been a valet for um, Madame Vastra for, you know, any number of years in central right. London, you know, you would have expected him to have learned 
something about mm-hmm. living in late 19th century London. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or, the, or the difference between a boy and a girl. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's... I mean, eventually. There, there's... <laughs> I mean, he's not an idiot. Or maybe he is. Who knows? Well, he kept, uh, what is it, in The Snowman, he keeps picking up the memory worm and forgetting that he had to wear the gloves and that kind of stuff. So it it's his uh, lack of intelligence is uh, highlighted n- numerous times throughout uh, Moffat's writing when he writes for Strax. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you know, he's a he, he's a joke telling machine. He's his his job is to is he's, he's he's the comic he's the comic relief. Um, he's kind of like the uh, Moffat era Mickey, but at least uh, RTD gave Mickey some gravitas and some character development. Strax does not develop. He does not develop at all. No, he just become he's just that he's he's the joke. Yeah. Um, in every. Mm-hmm. In every scene that he's in, and the jo- some some of the jokes are hilarious, but they are all just jokes. And but it's sort of like how he wrote Clara, where Clara was pretty much a plot point for her first bits in in the story. That Clara was a mystery, you know, that what moved the plot along. Strax is the joke. It's what yeah. it's when we okay the plot's getting too serious. Let's add the joke, and the joke would be. Uh, shall I send up the times? And he throws it up at Clara and knocks her out. You know, and it's the it's the type of thing. Or when he uh, stops a boy for directions who happened to be Thomas Thomas. Tom it's, Tom, yeah, yeah. And so there are humorous bits, and Dan Starkey's delivery is excellent. But it he's a great gets, comic actor. Yeah, gets tiresome. Does get tiresome. And again, you know, I have not involved myself sadly with any appearance of Strax in any other media particularly but you know if if madame vastra is a kind of sherlock holmes amalgam of some kind right i mean the sherlock holmes tolerates um inspector lestrade and obviously watson is a is a crutch you know i mean right. what watson is the person who keeps holmes going mm-hmm. um strax does none of those things um <laughs> does none of that for madame vastra and you wonder like well why does she keep him around because he's kind of a pain in the ass, to be well, honest. They, I, I think if she's the, so awesome, which you know, arguably she's also a good, a good enough character with some legs to her. But you know, anyway, I don't green, know. green scaly legs. Green scaly legs, yes. So and yeah, her and Jenny. Uh, lady bumps. That, <laughs> lizard lady bumps. Lizard, lizard, lizard lady bumps. Yes. <laughs> so, um. So they, her and Jenny, after the Battle of Demon Run, which I guess took place after uh, A Good Man Goes to War. Maybe. I, I, my, my, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, or, or as part of The Good Man Goes to War. Right, right. But, so when Moffat wanted to bring back Strax, there was this prequel, and I I only saw the prequel at the time, so forgive me if my memory is really fuzzy on this. Memory but, cheats, yeah. But he, Strax was out for days and he awakens with Jenny and Vastra looking over him and offering him a job saying, would you like to come with us? So it explains how a uh, Strax died in a good man goes to war, but then how he's back. Ha ha. It's Moffat mm-hmm. uh, at our comedy Santarin, our lactating nurse uh, becomes the valet or butler or whatever for the, the hu- household domestic well, what what is Jen, Jenny is the, uh, I thought was supposed to be Vastra's servant. So, anyways, part of the Vastra gang. Maybe he does run the household, so maybe he is a butler. But he's so breathtakingly incompetent that you wonder what you know that you know. Madame, very unlikely that Madame Vastra gets breakfast every morning. You know, with him in charge. <sighs> yeah. Well, 
So that's our comedy Santarin. Do, do we have Santarin's uh, cloaking before the last Santarin? Because that was the other bit in the Sarah Jane adventure with the last Santarin that the, uh, whatever, <laughs> that the, the Santarin, the last Santarin, the one with the scar, uh, could could cloak his, Krog, that's Cog, Cog. <laughs> These Santaran names are so yeah. goofy. Anyway, so the, that Cog cloaked his ship and he could walk around invisible. We did have the invisible projection of Lynx in the Time Warrior, but I don't oh, remember. did, yes. I don't remember a time where they actually had cloaking or invisibility other than in the new series. So maybe that's a new new uh, Santaran development? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... And, and again, as we've already established, that they are vaguely—they're a vaguely time-traveling race. So, mm-hmm. um, what they do doesn't really have to happen in sequence, right? Yes, I think they must be. I mean, God, of course. I mean, being able—you know—cloaking device is um, literally a devi- <laughs> a device in order that you can have plot happen more efficiently. Right. It's—it is a plot right. device as well as a cloaking device. Well, it's a, it links the Santarans even more closely in the new series to Klingons. Yeah, and I, th- I think I mean I don't think they work well as Klingons. Mm, um, not you know, at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's I, I am endlessly confused why the new series well not endlessly confused. I would have liked the new series to to have brought back the Draconians who make who would make who make excellent Klingons, which um, they are. Yes, um, I think it's possible the reason they didn't bring them back is because they are basically Klingons. Um, in well, some they're ways. certainly better for like the Silurians. They that you you could have bought a draconian humanoid redesign yeah oh yeah yeah i'd I'd, I'd have bought that completely in a way that you know what's again this is one of my as everyone knows this is one of my my particular bugbears you know the the great thing about the silurians is they were kind of aliens right um uh, and they weren't really human at all they were they were reptile people right which made them creepy and other and scary as well Mm -hmm. as they have a really good case for exterminating us because they were here first (laughs) right so with the cloaking, which is uh, my roundabout way of introducing, we do have a little bit, I guess, uh, I can't say they're serious because they are portrayed as a joke invasion in the time of the Doctor, the the last story of Matt Smith, where they're... Oh, yes. I, they, they're there as a cameo. Yeah. The Doctor disables their cloaking device so the papal ship or the mothership or whatever, the church ship could blast it from the ground, blast it from the sky, and they go, blow right. it up. Blow right. it up. <laughs> and I think that my memory's a little bit fuzzy on this, but I think the line was, oops, or something like that. Or you know, They're, they're serious centaurs, but they're portrayed in a comedic way. Yeah. I mean, they're basically their entire. I mean, I guess it's you know, it's Strax's clone batch or something. <laughs> uh. <laughs> something, something's bad about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, I mean, basically Strax is a, he's a he's a he's a Friday job basically. <laughs> um, that particular batch came mm-hmm. out weird and and comedic, mm-hmm. and I guess you know, uh, there's there's a whole bunch of them kicking around the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, final appearance is the next episode in uh, Deep Breath. Or or was, was it? No, he was in, we've, we, oh, sorry. There's a whole bunch of Matt Smith ones with the Crimson Horror. The whole Madame Vastra stories. The yeah, Crimson I'm, I'm, Horror, Name of the Doctor. 
Snowman. He's in the he's, Snowman as yeah, well. Yeah. So all, the, but it's all the vast. Well, this is what we're saying. It's the Paternoster gang. Yeah. Um, you know, who who have two serious characters and one joke character. Mm-hmm. He's a joke character, and all he is is just a joke telling machine. And yeah. as I and again, as I think I've said, to address that character more seriously, you know, if he spent this amount of time in 19th century London, he would have learned something Mm -hmm. about delivering newspapers, the difference between men and women, uh, how to make breakfast. Um, There would be some level of skill that he might have achieved at that point. Um, And if he is unable to achieve that level of skill, you wonder why Madame Vastra is keeping him around rather than just having him killed. (laughs) Well, why she rescued him in the first place. Why she rescued him in the first place. Well, maybe she finds his humor funny. Maybe maybe this is, who knows what Silurian ladies like. (laughs) Maybe she's also kind of a sadist and (laughs) wants to keep him around just to kind of, you know, make her laugh. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Well, I like Dan Starkey. I like Strax. I would like to see... I'm not a big fan of the Paternoster gang at all, no. but I would not mind seeing Dan Starkey return as a Santaran, either a comedy Santaran or a serious Santaran. Uh, my preference would be as a serious Santaran that is uh, occasionally funny rather than this is the joke machine or this yeah, is our comic relief. Comic yeah. relief. Yeah, yeah. No, and that would be my preference as well. I, th- I mean, Jen, Dan Stark is an ex- excellent actor. He's clearly got a great commitment to the show oh yes um, uh, and is a fan and we like that we like <laughs> actors who are committed to the show and understand how it works mm-hmm. um, and I th- I think we owe him more than to be a joke machine yep yeah all yeah. his all his appearances I think have been mostly well aside from his first uh, stint as a Santarin has been in pretty comedic roles with Last Christmas where he played an elf and, you know, of course, right. Strax. I mean, he is small, which is, you know, obviously <laughs> also funny. But, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodness, are we done then with the new series, the new series on Tarrant? Well, until uh, Chibnall brings back the uh, yeah, return do, to Suntar. Do you, do you think that's high on Chibnall's list? I mean, yeah. we didn't see... We didn't see Sontarans in Torchwood at all. No, thankfully. I mean, what, thankfully. Jeez. Well, Ooh, like sexy Sontarans. Well, the that thing would be is, like a nightmare. How would that even work? Because uh, Sontarans are like the opposite of sex, and that's what all uh, Torchwood was really sex and gore. That is true. They are the opposite of sex. So uh, you could see why they didn't hmm. go into Torchwood at all. Yeah, but I'm sure you could find some kind of pervy way to, like, you know, ooh, <laughs> the, the Sontarans discover sex or something in a torchwoody way. Anyway. My uh, my headcanon, my idea is that the Sontaran people aren't like the Sontaran warriors. They are this clone, this genetically engineered race of soldiers. And if you go on to Sontar, maybe they have a faint echo of what a Sontaran looks like. But the right. Santaran people, maybe they have two sexes or whatever, or yeah. maybe a maybe a more crazy reproductive system. Maybe they're not all clones, and who knows that it's it's only their military that they have fighting the Rutans, and the Rutans are the ones that are so inept. And as long as they can keep them busy by throwing these genetically engineered warriors at them, that, right. that their yeah. culture, their civilization can uh, uh, have a peaceful. Uh, existence maybe i mean maybe maybe the sontarans are more like the vulcans from vulcan maybe there's like <laughs> mysterious sultaran elders with beards and kind of like long robes yeah who walk about talking about being one with things <laughs> well the new sontarans have kind of little uh yoga sontarans <laughs> yoda yoga sontarans oh yoga <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> Santaran lotus position. Exactly. Downward facing dog, Santaran. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, with their little goatee beards. The little goatee. Well, I, the, the, they've got form with goatee beards. Didn't didn't the awful Santarans in um, the two doctors have vague goatees a little bit? And I think uh, General Stahl had a goatee in Santaran Stratagem. Or some, yeah. something faintly like that. Well, again, as I think I was pointing out last week, the, the comic strip in, in Doctor Who magazine went full bore on Santarans being Klingons. Mm. So they had a lot of kind of... So there was quite a lot of facial hair with those ones. Right. Well, well, not entirely successful in my opinion. (laughs) A new frontier for televised Santarans. uh, Santarans with uh, lots of hair and facial facial hair. (laughs) Absolutely, and as we know, of course, Chris Chibnall is a passionate listener to this podcast. So, um, Chris, get on with it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Oh, so uh, moving on to Chibnall, they've uh, returned from South Africa filming. They were filming in South Africa? They were filming in Cape Town. I missed that. Yeah. Oh, my God, really? So that kind of... Cape Town? Cape Town, before the water ran out. <laughs> it was the BBC that did it. <laughs> Drank all the water. Why Cape Town? What What does Cape Town have that, like, South Wales doesn't? Oh, I I don't know. But, but it's certainly... Curious here and curious. <laughs> we're not okay. in Sheffield anymore, by any means. Bloody hell, Cape Town's miles away. Yeah. Same, ah. t- same, roughly same time zone, though. Same time zone. That's true. Cape Town. How interesting. I yeah. wonder whether we'd, we're doing deals with um, whatever broadcasting thing the South Africans have. Oh, in yeah. Their you know, you know what it is. It's all to secure the bootleg missing episodes. That. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got them hidden away in yeah. the South African vaults. So in in exchange for recording in Cape Town, they're going to release. Uh, uh, Fury from the Deep. Excellent. So hang on. So were, were they recording in Cape Town as it as Cape Town, uh, or was Cape Town like some kind of weird um, Cape Town shaped alien planet? No idea. I just saw on a, I can't. I think it was on a South African newspaper or something that they were um, Jody Whittaker was seen filming Doctor Who in Cape Town. I'm going straight to the internets after we finish <laughs> this podcast and trying to find out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Well, oh, very interesting. Well, be, right. beware of spoilers. Hopefully, that wasn't too much of a spoiler for our listener, but I hope so. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's Doctor Who goes to South Africa. There you go, <laughs> Doctor Who and the South Africans. Well, oh, oh, you know what it is? What is it? It's the Gal Sex, uh, the Santaran experiments. Weren't they there all? You go. Sun- it is the Santarans are all... coming back. <laughs> it's Gal Sex. Yes. It's the Gal Sex co- colony. Yes, they they were all Perfect. Santarans. It all fits together very nicely. <laughs> Brilliantly. Well, there you go. <laughs> yep, they are coming back. They're all all out in the Transvaal somewhere or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> colonists. Funny. <sighs> oh, dear. So, okay. you heard it here first. Santarns to make a, a serious comeback in Series 11 with uh, Facing Off with Jodie Whittaker. Second episode, right out of the shoot. Right out of the trap. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, excellent. Santaha. That's all I can say. <laughs> As battle cries go, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Well, I, I'll have to prepare myself a nice mug of lactic fluid. <laughs> Hopefully with a little chocolate in there. A little bit of chocolate. Chocolate-flavored lactic fluid. That's, right. that's my plan. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 68 of Metabulous 2. I have, of course, been talking with Ben. And I have been delighted to have been talking with David. Thank you for listening. Good night. Ah. <laughs> well, we kind of pulled that one back from the brink, didn't we?
Investigation? Who says I'm investigating? Do you think I'm going to start investigating just because some bird smiles at me? Who do you think I am? Sherlock Holmes. Don't be clever, Strax. It doesn't suit you. Sorry, sir. I'm the clever one. You're the potato one. Yes, sir. Now go away. Yes. Mr. Holmes. Oi! <laughs> shut up! You're not clever or funny and you've got tiny little legs. 